Well, Merry Christmas. All right, so starting at verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Simon promised to do a different voice for Gabriel. (laughs) So I'm very disappointed. Well, uh, let's talk to God for a little bit uh, and ask him to help us as we reflect on what is a fairly familiar story to, I imagine, most of us, uh, the story of Jesus' conception and birth. Let's uh, pray. Gracious Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you that today we get to remember your incredible gift to us in and through the person of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus. We thank you for the Bible, uh, the historical record of those who were there, Uh, at that time and bore witness to Jesus, his uh, miraculous conception and his birth and all the events surrounding that birth and ask that you would be with us now as we reflect a little bit on that history now so that our uh, faith in you might grow and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the, uh, the Football World Cup is over for another four years, right? And uh, what a final it was. Don't know if you can see that. Sorry um, for the small screen, for those up the back. But um, that's Qatar, uh, the uh, the field. And what a final it was uh, as France faced off with Argentina on Monday morning, live from 2am our time. Who watched it? Ah, yes, you die hard. That's awesome. Yeah, well done. Congratulations. Uh, anyway, it's said to be the best World Cup final ever, as Argentina scored uh, two goals in the first half and then another in the second to French, Fran- uh, French uh, the France's stunning uh, comeback with Argentina scraping in though on a penalty shoot on penalty shootouts uh, to to win five to three. An amazing, amazing game. Uh, that's actually a <laughs> from a <laughs> from an Xbox game. So um, yeah, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't find an image that actually had all the right characters on it. So, all right? <laughs> uh, an amazing game. Uh, all the more so as Argentina's captain, Lionel Messi, uh, it was his swan song before retirement at the ripe old age of 35. Uh, arguably the greatest soccer player in the world. Uh, Messi 
was always chasing the legend of his Argentinian forerunner, though, Diego Maradona, uh, who won the World Cup for Argentina in 1986. And this year was the last chance for Messi, right? Uh, and the fairy tale came true. It came true. Messi wins the World Cup. Uh, it's, he's confirmed as the greatest player in the world, perhaps, possibly, in the history of the game. Adored by millions all over the world. Worshipped by his countrymen. This is what he said at uh, an interview after the game. He said, The truth is that nothing else I will do will be as great as this. Winning the Copa America, the World Cup. Nothing else I will do will be as great as this. And I got to thinking about this. Here he is, Messi, at the absolute peak of his career. There is nowhere higher to go. No greater place of note. He's as high as you can get. And now he's got the rest of his life. To do what? To do what? Because surely everything after this is just going to be an anticlimax, isn't it? I mean, after the celebrations and the buzz die down, uh, isn't life just going to be a bit of a downer for him? Being the greatest somebody now might possibly be the worst thing for him for the rest of his life. But isn't that better than being a nobody your whole life? Surely that's better than being a nobody your whole life. Well, not if we take the Christmas story seriously. Because a nobody close to Jesus is better than a somebody who's not. A nobody like Joseph, as in Mary and Joseph. Let's call him Joe from now on because Joseph's just too hard to keep saying. Uh, in the Gospel of Luke, Joe gets his first mention as Mary's husband. So sorry if you can't uh, read it up the back, but it said, we read it earlier, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So Joe, Joe is the guy pledged to the girl God sent an angel to. He's a third tier character. Three layers on in importance, right? Not, no, actually it's four, uh, because it seems he's only mentioned in his link to his descendant, King David. No, no actually, not even that, he's five, because God's the main character, right? Uh, so there's God, Gabriel, Mary, David, and then little old Joe uh, there. <laughs> now, my grandma used to be, really struggle finding my name uh, sometimes. She'd see me often and greet me and go through all the other male names in our family before finally landing on mine. Keith, Rod, Reuben, Tim, Matt, Matt. Uh, and then she'd laugh at herself, exasperated. Uh, she couldn't remember me for seeing me. Uh, and a little bit like Joe, as Luke tells the story from the eyewitnesses at the time of Jesus' birth, ticking off all the big players, yep, God's in there, Gabriel, uh-huh, Mary, of course, of course, Mary. Uh, David, he's important, uh, important historical link. Now, who am I missing? Oh, Joe, that's right. But let's face it, would the story suffer that much if he wasn't mentioned by name? Would it? If he wasn't named? If we only knew him as Mary's husband? Apparently, Joseph, the name Joseph, was the second most popular name in Palestine at the time. Every second and third person would have been Joe. It's a, bit, a little bit like Matthew in the 90s. Um, Thanks, Mum and Dad. Uh, There would have been a couple of Joes in every roll call, on every team, at every party. Uh, It would have been the example name at the top of a form like Mr and Mrs Smith, Citizen Joe. Everybody, an everyday forgettable Joe. 
Now, elsewhere in the Bible, in the Gospel of Matthew, Joe gets a little bit more of a prominent role at the beginning of the story of Jesus. We're told he's a righteous man. An angel appears to him a few, in a few dreams. It's Joe who actually names Jesus. It's Joe who moves Mary and Jesus around to keep them out of trouble. But even then, the focus it shifts to be more on Mary and Jesus. And that's certainly the case back here in the Gospel of Luke. It's Mary who the angel visits and has a long chat with about getting miraculously pregnant with Jesus. And it's, uh, it's the pregnant Mary who meets up with her cousin, who's also pregnant with John the Baptist. Uh, it's, it's Mary whose song of praise to God for Jesus gets recorded. Joe, he's mentioned in chapter 2 uh, of, uh, well, in verse 4 there, but again, it's only because of his link to King David, because he's descendant is David and the importance of that to the baby Jesus as the Messiah who's in the line of David uh, when the shepherds are told uh, by the angels that the Messiah is born they rush, they rush off and find Mary and Joseph and the baby who is lying in the manger but from then on in, in the story although English translations might say Mary and Joseph in the Greek uh, it's just them uh, or the parents and the father or the father and mother you know, when Jesus is 12 years old and they lose him during the festival, Mary and Joe are not mentioned by name. They're the parents. And while Mary, as the mother, she gets a speaking part in that little episode, and we're told that she treasures things up in her heart about Jesus, but Joe, his words, his thoughts, they become less noteworthy, and he fades more and more into the background. He goes from being a he, to finally a they, to finally he drops off, the pages of history. Now, he must have been around for quite a while with Jesus growing up. He fathered other children with Mary. We meet them later on in the story during Jesus' ministry. But from this point on in the story, in chapter 2 of Luke, basically from when Jesus was 12 to something up to when he started his ministry at about 30, Joe is a nobody. A nobody whose death isn't even noted. We don't even know when he died. It's not even mentioned. It's not even worth noting. But a nobody, he's a nobody who couldn't have been closer to Jesus if he tried. Have you ever had the experience of being known as the friend or sibling or parent of someone else? Ah, oh, you're Phoebe's dad. Ah, oh, you're Steve's wife. Oh yeah, you work with Mark. I know you, you're Sophie's friend. Oh, you're the owner of that cute white dog. <laughs> it can be irritating. <laughs> because it's nice to be known for who you are, right? Rather than because of someone you know. Well, yes and no. <laughs> At the moment, Lionel Messi couldn't be possibly known for something other than who he is, right? He's not the husband of... What's his wife's name? Anyone know? Shush. <laughs> <laughs> He's got kids, what their names? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows him for who he is, right? He's made it. But while he's loved by millions now, he'll be forgotten. By most in the next 10 to 20 years. Give it 100 years, he might be an interesting fact on a fantail rapper. Uh, give it a thousand years, the planet will probably be burning, so no one will care where Messi is. Now, I don't know where Messi stands with God. Years ago, he said he, God was going to give him the World Cup. Uh, 
and he's got a big Jesus tattoo on his right shoulder, right? <laughs> uh, so he's got some kind of faith in God. But do you think once he's dead and maybe hanging around heaven that anybody's going to be lining up to get his autograph? No. Because the only life that matters, and matters forever, is a noteworthy, it's not a noteworthy soccer life like Messi's, but it's a life that's close to Jesus. The only one who can and has played the greatest game in life, the only one who scored the winning goal when he died on a cross and rose from the dead for all those who were on his team, all those who know they've screwed up in life, all those who've tried to make a name for themselves in this world but have failed, all those who've tried to secure a place for themselves in this world, all those who know they've ruined things with God by not trusting him and playing life by their own rules, but then accept that Jesus played the game they should have played and suffered for their failure so that they might have and enjoy and share in his glorious victory, a victory full of God's forgiveness and love and mercy and reconciliation and friendship and family. The simple fact is, Messi, he's going to die someday, as we all will. After which, we'll have the rest of eternity to contend with. This life, no matter how bright we might burn in it, it's just the head of a really long matchstick that will burn for eternity. And it's got everything to do with being close to Jesus. What we strike our life with, our life to, here and now, that head of that eternal matchstick, impacts on which direction our matchstick will burn for eternity. And it's got everything to do with Jesus. See, like Joe, although a nobody relative to others, Joe got to touch God in the flesh. Got to hold God in the flesh. More than that, he got to care for him, spend time with him. God himself. Can you imagine? The uncreated creator of all. The one in whom all life and hope dwells. The one who loved Joe, a relative nobody, loved him so much that he sent his precious son into the world to save him and be with him now and forever. And, and maybe like Joe... We're just a room full of nobodies that many others might overshadow in small and great ways but we too might be destined to disappear into history like Joe. Maybe be forgotten. Maybe our death not even be noticed. But if we trust in Jesus as Joe did then we're closer to God than even Joe was. Because the Bible says God's Holy Spirit unites us to him, makes us one with him, closer than anyone else can be as we trust in Jesus. So much so, Jesus' life becomes our life. His death becomes our death and his glorious eternal life, our glorious eternal life. In Jesus, we're as close to God as we can get. That means... As much of a nobody, a nobody as we might be or even feel, with Jesus we have life with God Almighty, now and forever. 
Indeed, it's our closeness to Jesus that secures and defines our life here and now so that we might not be sucked into trying to be someone, particularly during this period, someone through our family, someone through our family traditions, through our celebrations, through our friends, through our accomplishments, through how many presents we get, through that special love interest that we have, or defined by maybe where we failed to be or to do or have those things, but instead that we might be happy being a nobody who's close to Jesus, because that is infinitely better than a somebody who's not. And I pray that we would all know that this Christmas, today, and for the rest of our lives. So I'm going to pray that now. Let's talk to God. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the wonderful news of your Son, our Saviour, coming into this world as a baby, growing into a man to suffer and die in our place so that we might know you, so that we might be close to you and have your forgiveness and know life with you now and forever. Father, please help us, nobodies like Joe, to savour the enormity and wonder of being happily eclipsed by our Saviour Jesus in everything and enjoying his glorious life, his victory over death, and the promise of being with you now and forever through him, today and every day from now on. May that be the case for every single one of us here now. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.